الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله الناصح الأمين اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تمسك بسنته إلى يوم الدين ثم أما بعد عن يعني حدثني جماعة من الشيوخ بإسناد كل إلى سفيان بن عيينة عن عمرو بن دينار عن أبي قابوس مولى عبد الله بن عمرو عن عبد الله بن عمرو بن عاص رضي الله تعالى عنهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الراحمون يرحمهم الرحمن ارحموا من في الأرض يرحمكم من في السماء وقال العلماء ذلك بأن العلم رحمة نتيجته رحمة في الدنيا وغايته الرحمة في الآخرة الحمد لله على نعمة الإسلام والسنة The Prophet sallallahu said that verily the Prophet sallallahu said that those who show mercy they will be shown mercy by the most merciful be merciful to those who are in the earth and the one who is above the heavens will show you mercy the ulama they mention this is because knowledge is mercy and the reason that the ulama from the past they will begin their lessons with the likes of this dua and they will begin teaching their students and this will be the first hadith in which they heard from them for this hadith is musalsal bil awaliya this hadith is a hadith in which they will learn firstly from their mashayikh and that is because knowledge is rahmah the result of knowledge in this world is mercy and the ultimate result of knowledge in the hereafter the ultimate goal of knowledge in the hereafter then it is the attainment of mercy ala kulli hal alhamdulillah ala all praise and thanks belong to Allah for guiding us to Islam and for guiding us to the Sunnah. We continue going over the tremendous book by Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullahu ta'ala, al-Arba'in al-Nawiyyah. We have reached the sixth hadith, and that is the hadith of Abi Abdullah, Nu'man bin Bashir, radiyallahu ta'ala, anhu. Qal, radiyallahu ta'ala, anhuma. Qal, سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول He said, I heard the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم say إن الحلال بين That verily the halal is clear وإن الحرام بين And that verily the haram it is clear وبينهما أمور مشتبهات and between them two, then there are issues that are doubtful. There are issues that are doubtful. لا يعلمهن كثيرا من الناس. 
many of the people they don't know. Many of the people, they don't know what are, what are the rulings as relates to those doubtful matters. So whoever has stayed away from the shubuhat, then he would have safeguarded himself as relates to his religion and as relates to his reputation. He would have saved himself, safeguarded himself as relates to his religion and as relates to his reputation. And whoever enters into the shubuhat or draws near unto the shubuhat, whoever embarks upon doubtful matters, then ultimately they will embark upon haram. Like a shepherd. Who brings his flock into near proximity of a sanctuary. Then he is very close or it's a drawing into it. Or his flock, they will enter into the sanctuary and break the boundaries of the sanctuary. Is it not except that every king has a sanctuary? And is it not except that the sanctuary of Allah are those things that are prohibited? Naam, that area that is forbidden are those things that are prohibited. Is it not except that there is inside of the body a a morsel of flesh if it is rectified then all of the body will be rectified and if it is corrupted then all of the body will be corrupt is it not except but the, the heart is it not except but the heart hadith mutafiqun this hadith is agreed upon its authenticity. It is collected by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim. Rahimahullahu ta'ala. Qala Al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Inna al-halal bayyinun wa inna al-haram bayyinun wa baynahuma umurun mushtabihat That verily the halal is clear and the haram is clear and between both of them, then there are doubtful matters. لا يعلمهن كثير من الناس Many of the people are unaware of them. Many of the people are unaware of their ruling. Meaning, قال العلامة The علامة, the great scholar, the muhaddith of Medina, الشيخ عبد المحسن العباد البدر حفظه الله تعالى he says, "Fihi taqsimul ashai ila thalathati aqsam." He said, "In this, then, there is a breakdown of things, of which, and as such, as they break down into three different categories, as such, as they break down into three different categories." Naam, al-awwal, the first of these categories. Then, it is the halal. Al-halal al 
It is the permissible that is clear, that is well known. Those things that are permissible and they are well known and clearly permissible. The Shaykh, he brings some examples. He says, كالحبوب, like seeds, for example. Naam. When it comes to the likes of sunflower seeds, sesame seeds, pumpkin seeds, and the like, then these are halal. And no one doubts that. No one debates that. No one is confused about that. There is no ambiguity as relates to that and to its ruling. thimar, and like fruits, like fruits, there is no ambiguity as to relates to their ruling. An apple, it is halal. No one debates you about that. An orange, it is halal. No one debates you about that. A banana, it is halal. There is no debate about that. Naam. and am and those animals, those cattle, in which we eat from their meat and the like, no one debates about whether or not they are halal or haram. So beef, for example, it is halal. Naam, chicken, for example, it is halal. Naam, and so on and so forth from those animals in which human beings in which we eat from, from those permissible animals. Naam, the likes of sheep, right? The likes of camel, so on and so forth. Naam, these things, they are halal bila shak wa bila raib. The Shaykh mentions, he says, إِذَا لَمْ تَصِلْ إِلَى الْإِنسَانِ بِالطَّرِيقِ الْحَرَامِ If it does not reach an individual by way that is haram. نعم, بِالطَّرِيقِ الْحَرَامِ So for example, if a person steals one of the aforementioned things, they steal sunflower seeds or they steal يعني, um, you know, ground beef and the like, then that's different, you know, then this is different. But outside of that, if it comes in a halal manner, then it is halal and there is no debate about that and that is well known. And then the second type of things, you have that which is al-haram al-bayyin, that which is clearly haram. It is clearly haram. Naam. And the Shaykh brings in examples. He says, kashurb al-khamar, like the drinking of alcohol. The drinking of alcohol and intoxicating beverages, this is haram. There is no debate about that. Naam. Wa al-mayta. And the eating of um, the dead, eating dead things, eating things that have died on their own, yani, uh, being a scavenger and the like, then this is haram. person finds a dead uh, animal on the road, roadkill, and he says we're going to stop and grab it and barbecue it. There's no one in their right mind that will debate that that is yani. Haram, yani. No one would debate whether or not it is haram or halal. It's clear that is haram. It's clear. When nikah, the maharim, and marrying from your maharim, naam, or relations with maharim, then this is haram. This is well known, naam. So a person marrying their sister, right, marrying their daughter, so on and so forth, and the like, this is haram. This is well known. That is haram, and no one debates that 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 uh, that fact. This is haram. خلاص نعم. وهذان يعني يعلمهم يعلمهما and these two يعلمهما الخاصة والعامة and of these two affairs, everyone knows these affairs. نعم. So the general masses and the people of knowledge and uh, 
all know these affairs, that which is clearly haram and that which is clearly halal. And then the third, the third affair you have, and that is mushtabihat. Uh, they are those things that are doubtful. al mutaraddida those things that people are apprehensive as relates to their ruling. Naam. And that is because, as the ulama, they explain, it is because this thing it is similar to that which is halal in some aspect, and it is similar to that which is haram in some aspect. Naam. So there's an aspect to it that will lead one to, 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 to think that maybe it is halal, but at the same time, there is an aspect to it that will lead one into thinking, well, maybe perhaps it is haram. There is not 100% clear. Naam, it's not 100% clear. There are those things in which a person, then they are apprehensive about and as relates to them. يعني بين يعني متردد بين الحلال وبين الحل والحرمة. They are as apprehensive whether it is permissible or impermissible. So a person may sway back and forth. Is it is permissible? Maybe not permissible. Maybe haram. Maybe maybe not haram. Maybe permissible. They don't know. They sway back and forth. نعم. فليست من الحلال البين. It is not from that which is clearly halal. ولا من الحرام البين. It is not from that which is clearly haram. نعم. It's not from that which is clearly haram. وهذه لا يعلمها كثير من الناس. And these many people are unaware of their real ruling. نعم. There's a important point here as Sheikh Muhammad Bazmul he points out and that is is that what is that the likes of these affairs we will see from this hadith that the ruling on whether something is halal or haram is known about everything now meaning that what there are no truly gray matters of which are unknown to everyone so the ruling is known the ruling for all things as relates to whether they are halal or haram, it is known. However, they are not known to everyone. You will have those things that are clearly halal and that's known to everyone. You have those things that are clearly haram and that is known to everyone. And then you have those things that are doubtful that those things, they are not known to everyone. But you have from the ulama those who know. You have from the ulama those who know their ruling. Naam. And that is seen from the statement of the Prophet الناس, and that many people of yani many people don't know them. Many people are unaware of their ruling. So this points us to the fact that what? But some people are aware of their ruling, some people do know them. Ma'am. You have for some you have yani from mankind those who know what the ruling is. It is. So, alhamdulillah, there are no truly gray matters that are unknown to everyone. Naam. It's just the doubtful things. Many of the people don't know their ruling. Many of the people, they are unaware of them. So, what is the stance of the individual when it comes to the likes of these things that are unknown? Or these things that are doubtful, that are not known to everyone? What is the stance of the Muslim when they encounter one of these doubtful matters? Their stance is that they are to stay away from it. Their stance is that they are to stay away from it and they are not 
to embark upon it. Now I want you to reflect. Those issues that are issues of debate, great debate. Should we do them? Should we not do them? Are they permissible? Are they impermissible? So on and so forth. Now, these issues are to be avoided until it is known and is clear to the individual their ruling, their true ruling. Until then, then they are to stay away from embarking upon the likes of these things. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has related to the doubtful matters. He commanded us to stay away from that which causes us doubt. Naam. As it comes in another hadith that Bihnilahi Ta'ala will come to later on in this collection. Leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt. Naam. So if there's something comes and it makes you doubt, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it. Naam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, فَمَنِ اتَّقَى الشُّبُهَاتِ So whoever stays away from the doubtful matters, فَقَدْ اسْتَبْرَأَ لِدِينِهِ وَعِرُضِهِ Then he would have cleared his deen and cleared his reputation. He would have safeguarded his religion and would have safeguarded his reputation. نعم وَمَنْ وَقَعَ فِي الشُّبُهَاتِ وَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ And whoever embarks upon the doubtful matters, then they will ultimately embark upon the haram. And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he brings an example. He says, Like a shepherd that brings his flock to graze near to a sanctuary. Then they're going to fall into it. They're going to eat from the grass and from the vegetation of that sanctuary. Is it not except that every king has a sanctuary? And is it not except that the sanctuary for Allah are those things in which he has made haram? As Sheikh, he mentions, as Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, that this goes back to the third category and that third category is those things that are doubtful now it returns back this speech here is in relation to the third category and the third category it is those things which are doubtful those things that are not that are not in uh, entirely clearly halal or haram now so individuals to stay away from them. Individuals to stay away from them and is to leave them alone and to avoid them. Because in that then there will be peace. There will be safety. Safety for the individual. For his deen and for his reputation. Naam. So he will have safety in his reputation and that which is between him and that which is between Allah. So where's the salama? Excuse me. He will have safety in his reputation between him and between the people. He will have safety in his reputation between him and between the people. But where's the safety as relates to the deen? 
the safety as relates to his deen, a fima bainahu wa bain Allah between him and between Allah. So if you stay away from something because you were doubtful on whether or not this thing was halal or it was haram, but by you staying away from it and not embarking upon it, then you will have not entered into the haram. So you are safe. So you are safe. So if you left off something that was halal because you were unclear, you didn't know that it was halal, and you left it off out of fear of it being haram, then you're safe as relates to your deen because ultimately you did not fall into the haram. So that you are safe in that which is between you and between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you leave off those doubtful matters as relates yani, uh, whether they are halal or haram, na'am, then as relates to that which is between you and between the people, then you are above reproach as relates to this particular affair. As relates to this particular affair. They can't accuse you of falling into something that you have left. Na'am, they can't accuse you of falling into something that you did not embark upon. So there will not be any reason, any cause, any justification for them to um, to speak bad about this individual due to that particular affair, to speak bad about this individual because they embarked upon you know, said particular uh, issue or, or thing and the like. Naam. So they'll be safe as relates to their reputation. Now, however, if a person becomes lax as relates to these affairs, the Sheikh he mentions, he says, وَإِذَا تَسَاهَلَ فِي الْوُقُوعِ فِي الْمُشْتَبِهَاتِ فَقَدْ يَجُرُّهُ ذَلِكَ إِلَى الْوُقُوعِ فِي الْمُحَرَّمَاتِ الْوَاضِحَاتِ If a person becomes lax as relates to those doubtful affairs, if a person embarks upon doubtful affairs and it pays no attention to embarking upon those doubtful affairs, then this will acclimate an individual and prepare an individual and ultimately plunge an individual into falling into those clearly haram affairs. Naam. Then they will fall into that which is clearly haram. Naam. وَقَدْ ضَرَبَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لِذَلِكَ الْمَثَلِ and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he brought an example as it relates to this. Naam birra'i with the shepherd yara hawl al-hima who brings his flock to graze near to a sanctuary. Fa inna hu ida kana ba'idan min al-hima salima min wukuri ma shiyatihi fi al-hima. If he takes his flock and he keeps them far away from the sanctuary, then his flock will be far away from embarking upon the vegetation inside of the sanctuary his flock will be far away from falling into the sanctuary naam but if he is near unto it and he brings his flock in close proximity to the sanctuary then his flock ultimately will start to graze also from the sanctuary they will also graze from the sanctuary and he would not have perceived it. He would not have taken notice. They would have eaten from the sanctuary and he would not have realized it. Why? Due to the closeness of their proximity to the sanctuary. And this is the reality. And what is intended here by sanctuary it is that which is sectioned off and protected, 
by the kings and those and others, by the kings and by others. Now, من الأراضي المخصبة from those lands that have been clearly outlined and designated, fenced off, يعني as being you know no trespassing. Okay, no one is to embark upon the likes of this. Those things that have been outlined and allocated and set aside, ah, uh, that there is no entry, there is no entrance, so on and so forth, a sanctuary. Of such that they are clearly marked and identified as such that it prevents individuals from even getting close to it. It prevents individuals from getting close to it. So whoever will graze near unto it, then they're going to fall into it. Those who graze near unto it, then they're going to fall into it. For you are and then he would have thus subjected himself to punishment. He would have thus subjected himself to being punished. Why? Because he has violated the sanctity of the sanctuary. And the sanctuary of Allah, then it is those things in which he has made haram. Those things in which he has made haram. So it is incumbent for an individual that they stay far away from it. They say they stay far removed from it. Naam. Far removed from that which is haram. So that what? So that the individual does not embark and fall into the haram. If you're far from the haram, then you can't fall into the haram. Naam. Uh, and the like. The Shaykh, he, gets, he says, he goes on to mention. وَعَلَيْهِ يَبْتَعِدَ عَنِ الْمُشْتَبِهَاتِ الَّتِي قَدْ يُؤَدِّي إِلَيْهَا So he must stay away from the doubtful matters that could potentially plunge him into the haram. نعم. He has to stay away from the doubtful matters that will eventually plunge him into the haram. The Prophet ﷺ he also mentioned, And is it not except that there is in the body a morsel of flesh? If it is rectified, then all of the body is rectified. And if it is corrupted, then all of the body is corrupted. And is it not except that it is the heart? Is it not except that it is the heart? Well, mudra, a mudra, and we went over this, yani, uh, in, 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 in the four, in the aforementioned, yani, uh, in uh, previous uh, classes. Now, in mudra, qit'a, lahm. It is a piece of meat. It is a piece of meat, yani, ala qadri ma. About the size of what can fit in a mouth, yeah, bite size. Okay, a morsel of flesh, the size of which can fit inside the mouth, and that what has yani yeah, been chewed, has been bitten. And in this, there is a clear 
clear explanation, a clear lesson, which shows us the importance of the heart. Naam, which shows us a portion of the heart, this morsel of flesh, this heart, Naam, which is the size or similar in size to an individual's fist, okay? Uh, inside of the in, in, inside of one's uh, inside of one's body, then this is what it shows us the importance of the heart, the importance of the heart, not just from a physical standpoint, not just from the standpoint of remaining alive, naam, and for the sustainability of life, but also as relates to an individual soul, also as relates to an individual soul and their disposition, their internal disposition. The heart is extremely important. The heart is extremely important on a spiritual and a physical level. The heart is of extreme importance. As such, as uh, the ulama they say, Because the heart is the king of the limbs. The king of the limbs, the ruler of the limbs, then verily it is the heart. And that the limbs will be rectified by the rectification of the heart. The limbs themselves, they will be rectified by the rectification of the heart. And they will be corrupted by the corruption of the heart. When one looks at the righteous person and compares them to the irrighteous person, the irreligious person, they will find that those who are healthy, they are on the same playing field as relates to their limbs. So we're looking at two healthy individuals, okay? Two healthy individuals. They are on the same playing field as relates to their limbs. This one has arms, this one has arms, this one has hands, this one has hands, this one has feet, that one has feet, so on and so forth. The difference is that one will utilize their physical being, their hands, legs, eyes, ears, mouth, tongue, so on and so forth, in a manner that is halal. Whereas the other will utilize those same limbs in a manner that is haram. What is the difference? Is it because their limbs are different? No, we have already established that their limbs are the same. Same playing field. What is the difference between this one and between that one? It is their heart. That is the difference, the heart. That is what separates the actions of why this one is good and why this one is bad. Because what? This one has a good heart. The other one, he has his heart is, 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 is evil. His heart is corrupted. His heart is, is polluted. Now, this is the difference. It's what? It's the heart. So what is the deciding factor and the the ruler of the of the limbs? Then it is the heart. If the heart is rectified, then the limbs will be upon rectification. If the heart is corrupted, then the limbs will be upon corruption. Naam. So the heart is of extreme, extreme importance. Naam is of extreme importance. So Concentrating on the matters of the heart is of extreme importance for anyone who is truly concerned about their well-being in the hereafter. Then they have to concentrate on rectifying and cleaning their hearts. Anyone who is truly upon the Sunnah of Mustafa, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, then they have to be concerned with their heart. They have to be concerned with the rectification of their heart. Now, the same way, no, rather even more so.
then individuals are concerned about the physical health of their heart. So they're making sure that they're taking in good cholesterol and not the bad cholesterol. They're making sure that they're on a diet that is conducive for cholesterol levels and so on and so forth. Now, even more so, making sure they exercise, making sure, you know, and the like. Even more so, and this is not to knock those things. Those things are important. Do those things too. But what's even more important, what is even more important is the condition of your heart. Yeah, I mean, from a spiritual level is even more important, even more important than is physical health. Because if an individual is concerned about not putting foods into their stomachs that could have an ill effect upon their heart, then they have to also be concerned to not ingest things, whether that be through their eyes or through their ears or through their mouths or in other or any other way in which things could enter into one's person that will have an ill effect upon a person's heart. So those things that are haram, listening to the haram, the ear is the passageway by way in which it will reach into your heart in that situation listening to those things that are haram it will ill affect your heart and it will be disease to your heart worse than cholesterol looking at that which is haram now in this instance now your eyes they are the passageway by way in which will reach your heart so looking at things that are haram now then this would what this will be more dangerous to your heart than being upon a high fat, high cholesterol, high saturated fat diet, okay? And so on and so forth. So we have to be concerned with the condition of our hearts. Imam al-Nawi, قال Imam al-Nawi, rahimahullahu ta'ala, قوله صلى الله عليه وسلم فمن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام that whoever falls into the doubtful matters, they will fall into the haram. He mentions, يَحْتَمِنُوا amrain. This entails two different affairs. It could, it, could, it, it could possibly entail two different affairs and or, right? The first of them, أَنَّ يَقَعَ فِي الْحَرَامِ وَهُوَ يَظُنُّ أَنَّهُ لَيْسَ بِحَرَامِ Is that... They will fall into the haram while thinking that it's not haram. Because remember, it's doubtful. They don't know. They don't know whether it's halal or it's haram. You know, could be this, could be that. They don't know. But however, they throw that. They throw caution to the wind. They say, I'm doing it anyway. I'm not sure. It's halal, haram. I don't know. But I don't know. I'm going to do it. It is possible they'll fall into it and they don't think it's haram. They'll do it and they don't believe it's haram. They don't know that it is actually haram. So this is one possibility now um, that presents itself when you do doubtful things is that you will potentially do something haram while believing it's not haram while thinking that it's not haram so this is why you stay away from the doubtful things the other thing that um could potentially happen when you do things and you fall into that which is doubtful remember know what he mentions he says he said is that 
it is it can also mean that it by falling into the doubtful matters it will draw you near into falling into the haram and acclimate you into falling into the haram just like it is said that sins are the postcard of disbelief meaning that what sins will draw a person drag a person near to disbelief and um if they make those sins and deem those sins as being permissible and being halal, then it will plunge a person into disbelief. So sins will acclimate a person for disbelief. Now, to make uh, put it in another way, sins could acclimate a person towards disbelief. Likewise, doubtful matters will acclimate a person for forbidden things. Doubtful matters, embarking upon doubtful matters, will acclimate a person for uh falling into and embarking upon prohibited things. لِأَنَّ النَّفْسِ إِذَا وَقَعَتْ فِي الْمُخَالَفَةِ تَدَرَّجَتْ مِنْ مَفْسَدَةِ إِلَىٰ أُخْرَىٰ أَكْبَرْ مِنْهَا Because the individual, when they fall into the sins, they would digressively go to sins that are even worse. They will ultimately go to sins that are even worse. For an example, if a person talks to a woman who is haram for them, if a person talks to a woman who is haram for them and has a verbal relationship with said woman, this is haram. But once they have become comfortable with talking to her, then they're going to long to meet with her in person, to have a meeting with her. Naam. And meeting with her, then of course, this is even more haram because now the possibility is even greater. Meaning that if a person was speaking from a distance, I want you to come back to the example I'm using here, talking to her from a distance, from text, from whatever messenger service, right, app and the like, talking with her from a distance, okay? This is haram, but that will lead ultimately into him, what, meeting with her. That's even more haram, now you're in the same place. Now, meeting with her, it will come to a point where that is no longer enough. The fact that they are physically in one place and they're talking, Right, and they're looking. Also, the looking is from those, those 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 things that are building up and leading to that which is more haram. Now they're going to want to have physical contact with one another, and that physical contact will start with whatever and then end with wa'iyadubillah. Now, so the point is, is that what is that haram is linked to each other, the heels of each other. Now, it is like with drugs. A person starts by experimentation with this drug. And then that will lead them to experiment with another drug. And then they build up a tolerance for this thing. So now they add and they go to something else. And then, and then, and then, and then. And then they end up being uh, 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 being addicted to heroin or addicted to crack or addicted to crystal meth and so on and so forth, right? Uh, typically, people just don't jump off the deep end. But what? But they gradually get worse. They gradually get worse, Okay. So this is what is meant by that, that, that it will acclimate. It will acclimate an individual to doing with that which is worse, and that which is worse, and that which is worse. وَقِيلَ And it is said, وَإِلَيْهِ الْإِشَارَةِ 
بقوله تعالى and in it then there is um, uh, what do you say there is a alluding to the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَيَقْتُلُونَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ بِغَيْرِ الْحَقِّ ذَلِكَ بِمَا عَصَوْ وَكَانُوا يَعْتَدُونَ and they killed they used to kill the prophets without right they will murder and assassinate the prophets without right speaking about who the yahud speaking about the yahud they used to kill the prophets without right now allah ta'ala says that is because of how they used to transgress now that is because or due to their transgressions that is due to uh, there's transgressions uh, now that is because and due to their sins their transgressions the sins that they used to do and because they were so accustomed to sinning that led them that they got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until it reached the point that they killed the nba them to the point that they killed the nba that was because of the sins that they used to do and verily they were a people who were most given to sin that they digressively got worse with sins until it reached the point where they killed the prophets until they reached the point where they killed the prophets you know as it said typically people don't jump into the deep end just straight away like this shaitan shaitan knows how to break down the individual so shaitan he won't come to an individual and tell an individual oh go fornicate with this person or oh go stick this needle inside your veins he won't come like this from the beginning but he'll come and it was for the one he'll say look for the other one he'll say perhaps hang out with these people who do drugs uh, take a couple sips of this alcohol take a couple puffs of this narcotic Nam. until 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 now the person's putting needles in their veins in the other in the first scenario until 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 the person has fallen into fornication and adultery so on and so forth this is how the shaitan works he doesn't come to a person and just say to them from the beginning just make shirk but rather he'll come to them and he'll beat them down to the accepting uh, misbeliefs and so on and so forth Naam. until 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 then they fall into shirk just think about how he tricked the people of Nuh alayhi salatu salam to fall into the shirk that they fell into as related to those righteous individuals. He didn't come to them from the beginning, naam, meaning those people that Nuh was sent to. He didn't come to them in the beginning and say, just make shirk, because he knew they wouldn't have gone for that. So he came for them and with his plan, and and and, 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 and and it led to, and then the people fell into shirk, and shirk began upon the land. This is the nature of sin is that it will bring you to another sin just like with um just like with drugs they will bring you to another drug so on and so forth now likewise this is the case 
with all things that are haram, it will start you in one place and get progressively worse or digressively worse and 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 worse to the end until like the Yahud and got them to the point where they will murder, they will kill and assassinate the Anbiya. With the Hadith, we also see this inside of the Hadith, this concept how things can start off like yeah, little and then get bigger, 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 bigger. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said in the hadith, he said, La'anullah, as-sariq, yasriqu al-bayda, fatuqta' yada, fatuqta' yadu. Naam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Allah's curse is upon the thief who steals an egg and ultimately ends up getting his hand cut off. Okay? The Prophet ﷺ, he goes on to say, وَيَسْرِقُ الْحَبْلِ Or he steals a rope. He steals somebody's rope. And then he ends up ultimately getting his hand cut off. Naam. What do we understand from this? Is this to say that if you steal an egg, you get your hand cut off? No. Is this to say that if you steal a rope, you get your hand cut off? No. Because the likes of these crimes, the likes of this type of theft, this type of petty theft, is not punishable by getting your hand cut off. Naam. So what is meant here in this hadith is that what? Is that may the curse of Allah be upon a person who, gain, who begins off with petty theft. They start off stealing small stuff. But then they don't stop. They get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Until they start stealing things that the punishment is getting the hand cut off. Now, they don't stop. They don't make tawbah and stop and that's it. But they keep going until they get the hand cut off. Now, this is what's understood. Why? Because this was what ain't. تَدَرَّجُوا مِنَ الْبَيْبِ They have gone from taking an egg, you know, a rope. You understand? Until the point now. Where they do crimes of which that are punishable by getting your hand cut off. By getting your hand cut off. And and this is the nature of sin. So I want us to be very conscious as it relates to this. And to understand how things work. To understand how things work. This is the nature of sin. It's not a person who's going to say, I'm just going to be an egg stealer. And then that's it. No, they ain't going for stealing eggs. Maybe steal a chicken. You understand? Because that's how Shaitan works. A person steal an egg. Shaitan comes in, why you want to steal an egg? Might as well steal a chicken. You steal a chicken, you ain't got to steal eggs no more. So then you steal a chicken, you get away with stealing a chicken. Now you get free egg because you don't steal a chicken. Then you say, oh, well, now I'm going to steal this and I'm going to steal that. It will work. Then next thing you know, so Allah must stand. Now he's made a crime in which he can get his hand cut off. Okay? This is the nature of sin. Due to time, we summarize in uh, the last few points. The Shaykh also mentions that Nur'aman bin Bashir. He was from the small of the Sahaba. Yeah, meaning he was from the young Sahaba. He was around eight years old when the Prophet passed away. He was about eight years old. About eight years old when the Prophet passed away. But he was a young man of fine intelligence. He was a young man of fine intelligence. And also, we see a benefit from this is that the Prophet Sallallahu he did not, he did not um, bar him from the gatherings. He did not bar him from the gatherings when he was brought around the men. 
He did not bar him from the gathering, saying, get this little boy out of here, so on and so forth. And how do we, how do we understand that? Is that he said, سَمِعْتُ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, I heard the Prophet saying, which means he was what? He was in the presence of the Prophet when he said the aforementioned hadith. And which points to the fact of his intelligence and that he was a very intelligent and outstanding individual. Was that what? Was that being at such a young age, he heard this hadith from the Prophet and he remembered it. And he remembered it and he transmitted it throughout his life. He transmitted this hadith. Which we also understand and we benefit from this is that what? Is that information that will come from an individual that was attained when they were young is acceptable when they... Um, when they uh, when they tell us about it and they're old, okay. So when they inform us of it when they're older, even though it was gathered and attained when they were younger, it is still acceptable for for us to accept it. Likewise, the ulama they mentioned is that if an individual came upon information when they were in a state of kufr, when they were in jahiliyyah, when they were a kafir, then they accept Islam and they transmit to us said information so on and so forth it's acceptable it's acceptable we can't say oh he was young i'm not going to take it this person was a kafir which is so whatever you uh, came upon from whatever information we don't take no no no. you can accept it you can accept it Naam. and that's a, a point of benefit that was taken from the hadith then the sheikh he mentions he brings some points of benefits that are extracted from this particular hadith and he mentions he says is that uh and again for time we'll just go through quickly and briefly inshallah is that we see from this hadith that in the Sharia, then things they break down into that which is clearly halal, that which is clearly haram, and then that which is doubtful, which is between the two. That which is doubtful means between the two, meaning that what there are certain aspects of it that are similar to what is halal, and then there are certain aspects of it that are similar to what is haram. So therefore, it is doubtful. It is a doubtful thing. So we have these three, these uh, these three. Uh, categories also in the second benefit that the sheikh mentions he says is that we also understand from this hadith that what is that these things that are doubtful they are unknown to many of the people and also at the same time some of the people know their rulings based upon proofs and evidences so they are unknown to many but not all because you have from the ulama those who know you have from the people of knowledge, those who know. You have perhaps from the students of knowledge, ma'am, those who have learned from their mashaykh who know, based upon the proofs and the evidences. So it's not unknown to everyone. It is unknown to many, but is known by some, meaning these doubtful matters. The third point of benefit is that what? Is that doubtful matters, they are to be left alone until we know. Things that we don't know, the ruling, if it's halal or it's haram, then we leave it. Until we know what the ruling is. Fourth, the fourth point of benefit is that the striking of examples to further explain and to help explain concepts is of extreme importance. And that examples could be struck for things that are abstract, just a concept. Naam, then you can bring an example of something that is physical and tangible by way in which will help a person better understand said concept. Fifthly, is that an individual, if he falls into affairs that are doubtful, then ultimately that will lead them 
into falling into things that are haram. Now, if he falls into affairs that are doubtful, then this will this will acclimate him into becoming comfortable to just doing the straight up haram. To just doing the straight up haram. Sixthly, is that verily the extreme importance of the heart is outlined here in this hadith and that the limbs follow the heart so if the heart is rectified then all of the limbs will be rectified and if the heart is corrupted then all of the limbs then they will be corrupted seventhly is that the facade the open corruption the open corruption and corrupt acts of an individual then this is a sign this is an indication this is a proof of the corruption of of themselves internally or this is a proof of their internal corruption that their hearts are corrupt so a person who's involved in every type of sin they can't come and say, but I have a good heart. We say to that person, no, this can't be correct. Your heart must be filthy. Why? Because your actions are filthy. The person who has a good heart, then you hear from them good speech. The person who has a good heart, then you see from them good actions. You see from them righteousness. You see from them obedience. And if a person has a, an evil heart, then you see from them disbelief. You see from them uh, all types of nasty and vulgar speech lack of shyness, so on and so forth. These are all indications that you, you have a bad heart. You're a bad person. Now, I'm your bad person. Person come and say, but you can't say that. You don't know what's in my heart. You're right. I don't know what's in your heart. But if it's anything like what's on your tongue, or if it's anything like what is upon your limbs, then you are a filthy-hearted person because your tongue will come off your tongue is filthy and what your limbs do is filthy. You understand? And then vice versa. Now, so... The actions, they are an indication of what is in the heart. So if you are concerned or you are curious right, uh, about the condition of your heart and you want to self-diagnose and see right, what is the condition of your heart, look to your speech. How good is your speech? Look to your actions. How good is your actions? Look to your level of obedience unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How good is your level of obedience? Look to yani, your staying away from and avoiding the sinful affairs and so on and so forth. How well are you in avoiding the sinful affairs and so on and so forth. Look to your shyness. How shy are you yani, in front of your Lord Azza wa Jal and so on and so forth. Now, but lastly, eighthly and lastly, is that verily the one who stays away from the doubtful matters, uh, then they will be safe as relates to their deen. Their deen will not be deficient, and they will be safe as relates to their reputation, nam, from any type of censor or criticism. If you stay away from the doubtful matters, you'll be safe in your deen with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you would have not embarked in, uh, upon that which is haram. And if you stay away from the doubtful matters, you'll be safe as relates to your reputation, and you, they will, yani, it will be no way to criticize you for falling into that doubtful affair because you would have stayed away from it so your reputation will be safe from criticism from this standpoint and then the 
the explainer the Fudul al-Shaykh Abdul Muhsin he goes on to the next hadith the seventh hadith ولكن نكتفي بهذا القدر وصلى الله وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين وجزاكم الله خيرا